if only we had just a little bit more money, right? Some of you that just took you back to your childhood and teenage days and you're like, yeah, that's the special effects I remember. Yeah, right? You students in the room are going, what was that, right? <laughs> Bring back my 4G LTE curve TV, right? That's what you guys are all saying, right? <clears throat> anyway, wouldn't it be nice, right, if we could just have a little bit more money, right? It would just solve all the problems. You know, I don't know about the suit and the ties that those guys were wearing, but it would solve a lot of problems, all right? And so that's what we're talking about this month. We're talking about money, and we're talking about some of the myths that we believe about money. For those of you who don't know, my name is Jeremy Allen. I am a member here at CCC. I'm also part of the teaching team. Uh, John is away this week, and so I'm filling in, and I'll be wrapping up this series that we've had on money myths uh, this month, and um, John will be back next week, and we'll start a new series. So um, I don't get this platform very often, and so uh, we make some shameless plugs for some other things. So I'm also going to take this opportunity, and I'm going to do a shameless plug for our young adult group. All right? And so last night or yesterday, we did an event uh, with our young adult group, which is sort of the 18, the 25, 28 group, whatever, that uh, range sort of out of high school, college, and career, maybe some of you have called them. And we did this thing called Where's Waldo? And so we had a bunch of Waldos that went around and got in disguise, and they hid themselves in a mall. And so I just want to say thank you to all of my Waldos, because without them, they couldn't have 15 to 20 young adults hunt them throughout the mall. And so, uh, and also, when your assistant uh, associate pastor, Roddy Hanna, dresses up in his mind as an Amish man, you know, you... <clears throat> You can't not put the picture on the screen. And for those of you who are from Lancaster County and should pretty well know that if you're going to attempt to be Amish, no mustache but the beard, right? So we did this thing potentially completely wrong. But, you know, we'll give them an A for effort. So I just want to thank all of them up there um, for the, the Pierces, the Hannas, uh, the Davises, the Mollenhoffs, and the Trailbridges for uh, their effort and their ability. And for those of you who don't know, there is uh, Stephen Mollenhoff has the walker. He is not that old, uh, but he did a really great job covering his beard. And that is his wife next to him, who did a fantastic job actually gluing a beard onto her face uh, and just did an amazing job. And so I'm very grateful to them. Uh, and for those of you young adults in the area, please know that this is all some of the fun, awesome stuff that we get to do. And we start up our next semester in February. So uh, please seek out Brittany Whirl, Hannah Matthews, myself, but we'd love to have you. But just thank you to all my Waldos. So there's a shameless plug. I don't apologize for it, and we'll get on with this morning. <clears throat> so we're talking about money myths. And just in a quick recap, we have talked about multiple myths. The first one we started out with was, I just need a little bit more. Kind of like the song, if I just had a little bit more money. All the things I could do, right? If I just had a little bit money. However, the reality is, we don't just need a little bit more. We actually have been blessed with more than we need. And we talked about that if you went out and you went to the global rich, globally rich website that you could see what your income is and where you stand in the population. The reality is the bulk of Americans are in the top 1%. And so we are rich when it comes to global standards. And so the Lord has blessed us with more than we need. We don't necessarily need just a little bit more to solve all of our problems. God has already blessed us with more. The second one that we tackled was it's a sin to be rich, right? Oh, it's just, is it really bad for me to have all this money? And the reality is that it's not a sin to be rich. However, it is dangerous. 
right? It's not wrong, but it's dangerous. There's a lot of things that can come at you, and you have a lot of responsibility. So it is dangerous. And if you haven't heard any of these messages, please go to our website where they're archived, and you can hear some more about that. Um, but we talked about the fact that it's not a sin to be rich, but it is dangerous. Last week, we talked about the great myth, right? The one that says, ha, the church just wants our money. And here we sit in January, and of course, the church is talking again about money, right? Well, John did a really good job in really talking about it's not necessarily <clears throat> the church doesn't want your money, but the church do, is concerned about where your heart is and about where you are putting your money, because where you put your money and your treasure, there your heart is also. And so the church is concerned about that because it is an important topic. Um, today we're going to discuss that giving, the myth is, giving is only for those who have extra, right? So the idea could be, hey, I'm sitting here and I have money and I have a budget and I follow all that, but you know what? I don't have another 10 cents or another dollar or another five dollars. I am utilizing all of the money I have. So I can't really give because giving is really for those who have extra, well, this morning I want to challenge you and say that that is a myth. And what I want to say is that for those of us who say that we are followers of Jesus, giving is really for those who follow him. It is not just for those that have extra, but it is for those who follow Jesus. And the primary reason is that Jesus was a leader by example, and he desires for his church to be a leader by example as well. And so we need to follow Jesus' example in this and lead out into our communities and into our world as being some of the most generous people in the world. And if we are followers of Jesus and if we claim to be, I want to challenge you today and say that we need to be challenged in this idea of giving and generosity. All right, so that's what we're going to be talking about today is that you need to be, uh, that to, we're going to debunk the fact that giving is only for those that have extra. So we've been working through this passage in 1 Timothy chapter 6. If you have a mobile device or a, an iPad, you have something you can feel free to follow along on that. If you need a Bible and want to follow along, there is one in the seats that are in front of you uh, on the bottom, and you'll turn to page 962. And so that passage that we've been talking about <clears throat> starts out like this in the NIV version. It says, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but <clears throat> to put their hope in God, who richly provides with everything for our enjoyment. Verse 18, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. Verse 19, it is in this way that they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. So we've been unpacking this a little bit through these money myths. And, you know, last week we talked about what it is to lay up a firm foundation and to, to be those generous people. Um, and we're really going to work through this back here in verse <clears throat> 18 today, where we're going to talk about being generous and willing to share. And as I prepared for this morning, I began to realize that it was interesting that in the NIV version, the first word in verses 17 and 18 is, command them to do good. And so often I will look at another translation to kind of say, well, what does another translation say, or how does it put the same words um, into practice? And I came across the, NI, the NLT, the New Living Translation, and I found that to be very interesting. If you look at this exact same passage in the NI, NLT, it says, teach those who are rich in this world, not to trust in their money, which is unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. 
Interestingly, here in this verse, we change the word command to teach, and we change the word from hope to trust. And we can all agree that those are pretty close together as far as translations go. But I found it to be interesting that we made these changes. If we continued on in the NLT, it says, tell them to use their money to do good, to be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, by being generous, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may have, so that they may experience true life. Right? So in this verse here, it says, by doing this, by being generous. In fact, in verse 17 here, it talks a lot about, or verse 18 says, always being ready to share. So if we can do this, then there's a connection to our own life. That there's a connection here that Paul is drawing out in his letter to Timothy that if we use our money and are generous to those and being ready to share with others, then we will have the opportunity to experience true life. So there's a connection between our generosity and our giving out to others and then our own fulfillment and in our own lives. That we can't be truly fulfilled in some senses without giving and without generosity. That there will be something missing. You know, the age-old adage is it's better to give than to receive, right? And there's a lot of truth to that. We have a lot of desires and a lot of things that we want in life, and part of those is to <clears throat> impact others. And we can do that through generosity and giving, and it's a way for us to experience true life. Okay, that's fine, but how do we go about doing this? What does this look like? Okay, and the reality is, is that right now it looks a lot like this. Giving or generosity in the world at large is sporadic, it's spontaneous, and it's sparing. We give sparingly, right? I'm not necessarily talking about each one of you in here, but I am talking about that globally I believe that we give on a sporadic basis, we give very spontaneously, and we give very sparingly, all right? Sporadically is that we don't necessarily have a consistent giving plan or generosity plan over time. And I think that we can all agree that often we get the best results when we invest a little bit consistently over time, right? For those of you that are financial planners in the world, just say, hey, if you have a 401k or if you want to invest, if you can just put a little bit away every month, just put a little bit away and it'll keep growing, consistent and over time. For those of you <clears throat> who uh, are into exercise, you know that it's really hard to try to get really, really fit really, really fast. The best way to stay in shape and to be in the best, in the best shape that you can do or be is to be doing exercise consistently on a regular basis a little bit over time right? Though it will yield the best results for you. So there's many areas in life where the concept of giving consistently over time yields the best results. But yet as a population, that's not what we're doing. We're not doing that consistently. We give very sporadically from a Christian perspective or from a church perspective, maybe Easter, maybe Christmas time or some other big events, but it's sporadic. On top of that, I would say that a lot of our giving is spontaneous. For those of you who are <clears throat> have trouble sleeping or work around the clock or work at some different hours, you'll know that oftentimes if you watch some TV late at night, there are some commercials out there that say, hey, for a dollar a day, you can sponsor this, right? Or for the change in your couch, right? You can do this. And they're usually dealing with kids or some sort of humanitarian aid, right? And what are they doing? They're pulling at your heartstrings. 
They're trying to get you to an emotional connection so that spontaneously you just make a decision and boom, I'm going to give. Right? And oftentimes it works because if it didn't work, they wouldn't keep showing those commercials. Right? Would we agree with that? So it has to have some type of success. But it just yields into this spontaneity of giving. Is that I'm sitting there, I'm having a drink, trying to just relax a little bit, this comes on, my heart is pulled, okay, I'll give. With no real thought, it's just out of spontaneous, out of, out of a whim, out of my emotion at that moment. The problem is that emotions go and tend to go back and forth from time to time. So it's not really the best way. But we give sporadically and spontaneously. Lastly, I'll just say that as Americans and as general, uh, we give very sparingly. Okay? And uh, if you were to look up the uh, IRS facts when it comes to giving, um, you will see that for those that have adjusted gross incomes of $50,000 or under, the annual average giving or charitable contribution is around 5 to 5.5% historically, okay? So that's generally where they fall out is around 5 and 5.5%. 5 However, as you go up farther in the income levels, 75, 100, 150, 200, and even 250, that percentage of giving by income goes down. And generally speaking, on average, those that make $250,000 or up only give away about 2 to 2.5% of their overall gross income. And so we as a population give very sparingly. And the facts actually show that those that have or are blessed, you know, have smaller levels of income actually give more. So that goes back to that first myth about if I just had a little bit more, the numbers just don't play out that way. So we give very sparingly. And the idea is that this is where we are as a population, where we are right now. We're very sporadic, we're very spontaneous, and we give very sparingly. And I don't believe that that's what these verses are talking about. They want us to be generous and always willing to share. So there's got to be a better way. Well, what is that way? Mainly because generally we don't give with a plan. We don't have a plan. That's the problem. That's what leads to sporadic and spontaneity. There's no giving plan. Now, for those of you who just saw that word in bright yellow and you had a heart attack because you saw a plan, like me, raise your head, right? How many of you hate plans, right? Okay, not too many of you, or you're just not too embarrassed, right? How many of you love, just got really excited because you love checklists and you love tasks and you love a process and flow charts? There we go. They're proud and loud in the back, all right? So all you people just got really, really excited, okay? Because I got a plan, I got a process. Box me, yes, no, this is where I go, right? So we, don't, we need to develop a plan. For those of you that like planning, I'm going to give you some arsenal to fight those that don't and don't like to operate in a plan, okay? So I'm fighting against myself here, okay? But at the same time, the plan that we're doing right now, which really isn't a plan, isn't working overall. And it's not necessarily honoring God. And God says, no, you got to have a plan, okay? So we're going to talk about it. We're going to pull back a little bit. We're going to change to another passage of Scripture. We're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. The page number in your Bibles, if you're following along, is page 932, so, or 934. You only have to go back a couple of pages uh, back to get to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. And I believe that through this passage, we're going to get that plan. We're going to understand the plan that God has put in place for us to fulfill 1 Timothy, where he says to be generous and always be willing to share. All right, so we're going to look at verses 1 through 3 here. Now, about that collection for the Lord's people. Do what I told the Galatian churches to do. I just froze up again, Kevin. There, oh, there we go. On the first day of the week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up 
so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. Verse 3, then when I arrive, I will give letters of introduction to the men you approve and send them with your gift to Jerusalem. So the idea here is that Paul's writing into a church in Corinth about a process that he needed to give, um, and he's encouraging them because they need to give some gifts to people in Jerusalem, right? That is what he's talking about. And the way he works this out is he says, hey, FYI, you guys need to do these collections for these people in Jerusalem, so I'm going to tell you to do the same thing that I already told the church at Galatia. We're going to do this again. And guess what? When you have a plan and it's been done before, you just repeat the plan. For those of you that are checklists, are like, yeah, just keep repeating the plan, right? Those fly by the seat of the night plans, I said, we can throw that plan away and come up with a new one. But Paul says, no, we have a plan. The church at Galatia already followed through with it. Let's just follow that same plan. It's been done before. It gives us confidence that we're going to have success again. Okay, let's dive into verse 2 here. On the first day of the week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. All right, so there's three things in here that I think lay out the plan for us when it comes to giving and generosity. And they are, we need to pull out them because we need to set up a priority, we need to set up that it needs to be personal, and that we need to set up a percentage. All right? We need to make this a priority, it has to be personal, and then you have to have a percentage. If you go back to verse 2, it says, on the first day of the week, right? So you've got to set this aside early. You've got to make this a priority. You've got to do this first. You know you've got to get this done, so we've got to make sure that it's a priority and we get it done first. This whole idea of first or in the beginning is an Old Testament kind of an idea, and it deals with the first fruits. Back then, they would all have, would harvest their grain and harvest their crop. And at that time, they were told to honor the Lord by setting aside the first fruits of their harvest and of that crop for the Lord. And in Proverbs 3, it says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Okay? And the idea here is that you're going to set this aside from the very beginning. It's important. Okay? Bring these to God. Set them aside for multiple reasons, to help those that are in need, to help those that are serving the Lord from the um, tribe of Levi and others. There's multiple reasons, but the idea here is that we're going to take it from the very beginning and we're going to set it aside. Okay, it has to be done at the front end. It has to make it a priority. How many of you know what this is, right? A moon jar little set. This is what we have for our kids, and the idea here is that inside of this, there's three different buckets. One is a save bucket, the other is a spend bucket, and the other is a share bucket. Right? So I propose to you that potentially you should take your, look at your budget, look at your income, and we should say, hey, let's take 10% of that and save. We're going to take 10% of that and we're going to share or give or be generous. And then we're going to take a bunch of that and we're going to put it into our spend jar. And that's where we're going to go. This is a tool that we've used with our kids. I don't know what other tools are out there they have, but this is just one. But the concept here is I'm going to set this aside and look at it this way. And in the very beginning, every time I get a paycheck, I'm going to set something aside in the very beginning. And I'm going to break this up. Okay? And I'm going to spend some. I'm going to share some. And hopefully from a fiscal perspective, I'm going to save some. But these are great tools that you can use to try to help in this priority. All right, Jeremy. I understand. I need to make it a priority. But you don't understand. I just can't. 
Maybe you're a student and you're barely making it by on a part-time job, trying to go to school. You got gas and car and insurance and other things, right? Young families, we got to put clothes on our back. We've got to put food on the table. We've got some possibly medical bills, other things that are going on. Jeremy, I, I understand it's got to be a priority, but you don't understand. We struggle with this because of the tyranny of the urgent. The phone is ringing. People are asking for my money. They say, hey, you owe this. I have bills that I have to pay. Maybe I've incurred some debt. Maybe I've run into some problems or whatever it may be. There's an urgency to some of these bills and some of these financial things that we have to take care of. And you know what? We just struggle because giving and generosity, it's, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't yell and scream at you in the face every day. It doesn't leave messages on your phone. It doesn't send you a pamphlet in the paper every month and says past due or other things like that. I get it. So we struggle to make this a priority because of the tyranny of the urgent. But at the same time, God is saying, I, I, I'm going to understand that. And I think he's going to have a way for us to work through that. But at the same time, he's saying, I need you to do this. I need you to be at the very beginning of the week or when you get a paycheck that this is important. You have to make it a priority. But I want to recognize this struggle. I want to recognize the struggle for what it is, but we're going to have to work through this. Secondly, we've got to make it personal. On the first day of the week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. Okay, I don't know how many are out there, but <clears throat> there's probably a fair amount of you that are really, really good at passing the buck on to other people. And I think as a culture, we have a really easy way of rationalizing that this isn't my responsibility. I'm too young. I'm too old. I've got too many things to go. And this just isn't my issue, right? So we struggle with the idea that I have to fulfill this obligation, that I feel like I have to be the one to be generous, that I should be the one that should be giving because, you know what? i just starting out. I just got out of my parents' house. I'm still in school. I'm just still trying to figure out my way here, okay, as a college student. You can't ask me to continue to do this because I barely have 10 cents to rub together. It's got to be for when I get older and I get a family and I get a steady job and I get more established. It's easily to rationalize our way out of that. You have a young family and they're growing and they got <clears throat> different needs and different things they have to do. So you know what? I'll continue. To, you know what, Lord, I get it. I know that you want me to do this, but there's people that are older that have more income that are disposable. Okay, I don't have a lot of extra. I don't have a lot that I can offer here. There's, it's got to be for me a different time. It's, 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 I'll fulfill this, but it's a different time. It's not today. It's not now because of my situation. For some of you that are older and out there, you know, hey, I've only got so much money. This is the pot I've got. I've stopped working. I'm not earning income on a daily basis. I'm into those retirement, those golden years, but I got some really, really good-looking grandchildren. They're awesome, right? Well, I want to give a little bit to them. I want to help out my kids, but Lord, I only got so much. Right? So you can't ask me to give because if you did, then I'd have to figure out a way on the back end on some of these other things. And I only have so much because and once it's gone, it's gone. And so I've got to make sure it lasts till I'm, till I'm gone and I'm called home and I'm with you. So the idea here is that no matter what stage of life you're in, we can do a really, really good job of rationalizing a way that it's not me. It's not my responsibility. For those of you that know the story of the Good Samaritan, Many people passed him by, an injured man on the side of the road, and they said, for whatever reason, it's not my responsibility. It's not my job. Until finally a Samaritan stepped up to the plate and said, no, I'm going to help this individual. Okay? But many of them rationalized for multiple reasons why it wasn't their issue. But Paul is saying, no, each 
one of you needs to look at this. Each one of you needs to process through what this means to you, mainly because I believe that this is an important critical part with your relationship with Jesus. Your relationship with Jesus is personal. It's between you and him. Because he died on the cross for your sins and he tore the veil, he has given a way for you to have access to him through prayer. And so through that relationship, it is personal. Everything about this is personal. And so we have to tie into that and we have to understand that this is what God is calling each of us to do regardless of our situation and regardless of where we are. Lastly, on the first day of each week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. Okay, so now we get to the crux of this. We've now come down, all right, I've got to make this a priority. It's got to be personal, but how much are you asking? Lord, how much are you asking for? Okay, he doesn't give a percentage or an amount, but he says a sum of money in keeping with your income. And so if you're going to ask me, hey, Jeremy, what would that number be? Then I'm going to go back to the, the Bible where it is... <clears throat> been put out there that a tenth, a tithe, which is one tenth, is what you should give. For those of you who were here approximately two years ago, three really crazy guys stood up on this stage and we were like, when God gives you a hundred, you give back ten. All right, there were some of you that were here. All right, God gives you a hundred, you give back ten. For those of you who weren't, do not go out to YouTube and find it. All right, so, but the idea here is that God is asking you for a sum of money in keeping with your income. From my recommendation, that number would be a tenth, would be a 10% number, one-tenth. Now, I'm not going to get into an argument with you about is that net, is that gross. That's, that's the whole personal side. That's between you and God. And in the end of the day, really, we're going to talk about this, but in the end of the day, I'm not 100% sure that it fully matters um, what the percentage is in that you are just working through what that is with God. And we'll talk about the card that was passed out earlier, but biblically speaking, one-tenth would be where we would go. Okay, a tithe, right? A sum of money in keeping with where you are. And the idea here, though, is that, okay, I've looked at my budget, I've analyzed it, I understand, and now you're asking me to give 10% away, to tithe it and to give it to the church, but you don't understand. I don't have any extra. But I think that that number, and I think that the struggle for us as up there is, it's a trust issue, okay? We say, wait a minute, I've earned this money. I've got this. I, I have it. I've got to make sure that I spend it wisely, and I want to be a good steward. That's a good biblical principle as well. Be a good steward of what God has given me, right? But at the same time, you're now asking me to give it away, but I don't know what for. If I give it to CCC or I give it to another congregation or I give it to another cause, I don't necessarily know exactly what they're going to do with that. So you're just trusting me to give that money away and that <clears throat> this is a principle that you want to build into my life. Lord, I just don't know if I can do that. And ironically, in Lancaster County, I am not originally from Lancaster. I've only been here for 20 years. So by Lancaster County standards, I am a wee bit of a little babe, right? Because right? I think you've got to at least hit 150, 150 years right, for your family to be considered a long-term Lancaster Countyan. But I have noticed coming from <clears throat> Baltimore and from Maryland coming up into Lancaster County that it is a little bit different when it comes to giving and tithing. And because... <clears throat> When people lay out a giving plan or they want you to give to something, but it's not as always as tangible as maybe people would like or to connect with, it's really hard to raise money. It's really, really difficult to raise money. And we have experienced that in the own life of our own church. It was really difficult for us to raise money when we had a plot of land. 
but we couldn't raise enough funds in order to actually build a building on that land. Now, luckily, God, and praise God, that he had a different plan, and we were able to come here. But through that process, from the day that we bought this property approximately three and a half, four years ago, since we did, we have put approximately $900,000 of improvements into this facility debt-free. Debt-free, people. $900,000. But it highlights a very interesting situation. If I'm asking you for drywall and carpet, okay, here you go. Here's some money. Go buy some drywall. Go buy some carpet. I now know what you're going to use it for. Oh, wait a minute. You got, you got a picture of something, and, and that's what you want. That's a dream, but it's, it's multiple years off. I don't know. That's a little difficult. I think there's a trust issue in there that we struggle with about giving our money away and being generous when we know the outcome and we can control it. Okay, I'll give. But now you're just asking me to be generous in a way that I don't necessarily know what that impact is going to be. And if I don't know, well, I don't know if that fits in. I'm trying to be really real for you over the middle of it. I feel and I see that struggle, not just here in Lancaster County, but in other parts. It's very, very hard for us to trust, to allow God to just take, you know, for us to give that money to an organizational thing and not necessarily know exactly what's going to happen to it because we still feel a sense of control. And there's a trust issue there between you and God. And I'm asking you to potentially take a look and say, is that me? And to face it. Because until you face that issue, it's going to be difficult for you to move forward in this area. Because God is asking you to make him a priority. He's asking you to make it personal. And then he is asking you to make a percentage. Because he wants you to always be generous. And be available to be generous. And that we, as followers of Jesus Christ, are to lead the world in this area of generosity. Because it is not for those that have extra it is for those that call Jesus Christ their Lord and Savior to be an example to the world. I, too, have struggled with this concept. I'm not immune to it. And so I understand that it is difficult. When we were a young couple starting out, my wife and I, I am the spender. Most couples have a spender and a saver. I am the spender. Shocking to all of you, I know. Okay? I am the spender. She is the saver. And unfortunately, in the first couple of years of our marriage, when we were still dealing with college debt and other things, I wanted to live a life that I felt like I could live up to. My, my brothers and sisters were older, and I tried to really hang out with them in their economic world. Guess what? I ran out about $25,000 worth of credit card debt. And as a 25-year-old young man leading this beautiful bride and leading this family, I didn't do a really good job. But at that time, God also said, I need you to trust me with some of your money. Now, I did not step out. We didn't go to a tent. We just couldn't. But I did step out. And we made a commitment. And we went to 5% of our income. And then we put together a plan to get our debt under control. And we did. And guess what? Like Greg said, God was faithful all the time. Because this is the one area where God says, test me. Okay? In Malachi 3.10, he says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me on this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. 
God's asking you to test him in this area. He says, look, I know I've asked you to make it a priority and personal, and now I'm asking you for percentage, but guess what? You can test me. And in the Bible, I'm pretty sure somewhere, I, didn't, I don't know exactly where, but it says, do not test the Lord your God, right? But in this case, he's saying, go ahead, test me, see what happens, okay? For those of you who call CCC your home, you were given a card last week. I don't know if you brought it back, but if you didn't, it's in the seat back in front of you. And here what we're asking you to do is we're asking you to take forward movement. One of our principles at this church is to have forward movement. What is the next step for you? And so we're going to ask you to look at this card and to fill it out and to drop it in the bucket when it's passed a little bit later. And just move forward in what your giving is. If your giving last year was at 2% of your income, okay. Are you willing to move forward to 4%? Are you willing to move forward to 6%? What are you willing to do to take a step forward to listen to God's call and to say, okay, I need to follow this. I need to step out. I need to lead in generosity. So I'm going to make a commitment. We're going to ask you, for those of you that call CCC your home, to please fill this card out and pass it and drop it in the bucket as it goes by. If you don't feel comfortable right now or haven't made a decision, that's fine. Um, we will <clears throat> but for those of you that have and have processed it throughout the week, we're going to ask that. For those of you that do not call CCC your home, this doesn't necessarily apply to you, but we want everyone to be considering what can I do from a forward movement perspective? How can I answer this call? In closing, I believe that God's words himself are the most direct in what an outcome can be if we move forward in this area. 2 Corinthians chapter 9.16 says, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, Having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way, so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service of generosity that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of this service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, in their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for this indescribable gift of generosity. I added generosity at the end there. Through your generosity... Jesus' name can be forwarded. Love can be shown. Lives can be changed. And he wants to abundantly bless you. Because giving is for those who follow 
Jesus. Let's pray. Dear God, I just want to thank you for today. I want to thank you for challenging us to follow you and your example of being a generous people. I pray that we will heed this call, that we will make you a priority, and through that we will look at our income and we will honor you with our wealth. We will honor you with what you have given. Father, I just pray that you will work in the hearts and the lives of these people and allow them to work with you, to come up with a percentage, a sum of money that they can give and be cheerful and not feel like it's being compelled upon them, but that they will honor you, that they will take a next step, that we will have forward movement in our lives with you. Father, I thank you for this challenge, but I also just thank you for the blessings that you are going to bestow upon your people and of this community and of this area through generosity and through generous giving. Thank you for your son Jesus and I die on the cross for our sins. And it is in his name that we pray. Amen. So if you haven't had an opportunity yet, please make sure that you fill out that connection card that Roddy talked about earlier. It was in the seat back in front of you. Just put some name down, especially if you are a first-time visitor. Please make sure that you drop that in the bucket. Roddy will look at it and make sure that we get you a gift. Uh, but we just would like to make sure that you fill that out and drop that in the bucket. In addition, for those of you that call CCC your home, please uh, look at that commitment card and try to see what steps can you take to move yourself forward. And if you filled that card out, we would ask for you to also drop that in the bucket. Ushers, please come forward. It will be going from this side of the auditorium to the other side of the auditorium, uh, and you'll, have a drop, you'll be able to drop that information in a bucket as it gets passed. As we close the service today, I just want to remind you that in <clears throat> February, there is an opportunity for you to engage in baptism. For those of you that have not taken that step, that next step of faith, to publicly declare that you are a follower of Jesus, I would ask for you to consider that. Consider taking the next step. Again, forward movement. What is that for you? And can you step out into baptism and into letting others know that you are a follower of Jesus Christ? I just thank you for your opportunity, or just thank you for your time to come here this morning. It's been a pleasure to be with you. I just thank you that we have had this opportunity to be together, and I pray that you have been challenged, but I also pray that you have been um, able to work farther in your faith and relationship with Jesus Christ. I pray that you have a great week. Come back next week as we start a new sermon series. John will be back, uh, and he'll be bringing that to us, so we look forward to that. Have a great day. Have a great week. Be safe. We'll see you next time. You're dismissed.